I'm Tony Kielbasa, and welcome and I- to Planet of the Smoked Meat Cats. And I'm Tickle Me Elmo. That was a really bad <laughs> Elmo impression. I mean, it's better than I expected you were going to do, so <laughs> I'm happy with it. <laughs> can we sing the whole episode? We can. We can sing the whole episode. Let's just sing in romantic hooks, like just the lyrics from Boys to Men songs. I'll make love to you. Oh, oh my sandwich boo. I don't, is that even Boys to Men? Sandwich boo. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, it's hot. It's getting hot in here. I gotta take this sweatshirt off. It's getting Is steamy. Planet of All right, so Dave, what are you what are you drinking for this episode? I'm drinking an exotic diet coke. I'm gonna crack open this beer. It's oh, uh, you know what? I'm I'm gonna get a beer too. Okay, get a beer. All right. Okay, I am I am drinking a Maui Brewing Company bikini blonde lager. Nice. I'm drinking a Fieldwork Logic Gate IPA. It's a big one. So what's your opinion on bottles versus cans for a beer? I, I don't know. This shift happened at some point, and now I exclusively drink cans, and I like cans better. I think I'm the same way. It's just harder to find bottles of good beer anymore. Well, the, can, the cans, they have essentially the same amount, right? The yeah. bottles don't hold more. And they're not clear, and so they don't have the sunlight contamination. It's like drinking from a little mini keg. Yeah, exactly. Remember the the, the actual mini Heineken kegs that we used to get? It's like twice the cost of a regular. Exactly. (laughs) But it felt cool to have a mini Heineken keg. Remember when we wanted to get one of those, like, Jägermeister cooling contraptions? (laughs) Like a Jäger keg, Jäger dispenser? Wow. I can't even I can't even picture myself like drinking any Jaeger in any situation at this age. No, I I'm down with you there. I, I would I would rather enjoy my alcohol. I mean, if you get a beer with you get a nice beer and it has you know five percent alcohol, mm-hmm. you can get su- su- sufficiently effed up off of that mm-hmm. to have a good time. All right, homie, what are we talking about this week? We're talking about sandwiches, and it's going to get heated, right? Because I know that we have some differing opinions on what constitutes a sandwich. Yeah, we're going to have to lift our, our no politics uh, yeah, <laughs> clutch for this episode because the gloves are coming off, my friend. Well, which one of us is more conservative in terms of the sandwich definitions? I think I'm, I'm probably pretty liberal with the sandwich definitions. So. I am too. Maybe we oh. agree. <laughs> well, we'll I find like, out. I like my sandwiches like I like my politicians. Loose? Loose. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that sounds wrong to say that. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, flexible? I don't flexible. know. Flexible. <laughs> Com- competent and intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> Willing to do what it takes to pass progressive leg- legislation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you like your sandwiches to overturn the filibuster? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, only when it benefits my own sandwiches and not when it benefits the other sandwiches. How, how close can we tow that line between tol- t- talking politics and not talking politics. I don't know. We're going to talk about Philly cheesesteaks, and I feel like there's uh, some politics there. We went to New York City together 15 years ago, and it was the only time that we went to New York City together, and our friend Adam was living there at the time, and you just had to have an authentic Philly cheesesteak, so you made us drive to Philly. It was <laughs> like a two-and-a-half-hour drive. You wanted to go to Pat's. That's what was going on. Yeah. Well, actually, I don't even know if we went to Pat's on that trip. No, we, we went to we went and got Philly cheesesteaks twice, and we went to Gino's and we went to Jim's. 
let's just go there right away. So I think that there's a couple of big questions around cheesesteaks, but the first is the whole Geno's versus Pat's situation. And I might be misremembering, but I remember the, the it seemed like the dudes at Pat's were just like normal. Like they just had like a normal store storefront. Mm-hmm. And then, the, and then at Geno's, it was like, <laughs> they look like total D bags. It looked like Vegas, like yeah, giant neon lights and like thing, like anti-Muslim stuff on the window. It was like right around nine 11 too, but <laughs> Like I remember thinking, man, They're like an, an like, execute Mubiab. Yeah, <laughs> like, window. Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> like it's just cheesesteaks. <laughs> Let's just chill, everybody. But outside of the Geno's versus Pat's debate, I think that because I think we both agreed that Jim's was better. Oh, Jim's was fantastic. Jim's is my high water mark for cheesesteak sandwiches. This gets to the real question: Whiz versus no Whiz. Oh, I'm all about the whiz. Now, do you do the grilled onions as well? Nope. I want meat, cheese, and bun in that mofo. Let's not slowly it with with like green peppers and onions. No, no mushrooms. Like, okay, you're a purist. Oh yeah, which I respect. So another important thing to I think consider with the Philly cheesesteak is pairing it with a boys to men song. You know, boys to men has two <laughs> different sides to them, right? On one hand, there's the the smoothness. Where you appreciate yeah. the all the flavorful goodness of the Philly cheesesteak, and that would clearly be on bended knee. And then, uh, you know, sometimes you're so excited to eat that Philly mm-hmm. cheesesteak, and that would be Motown Philly. Agreed. You know, it, it, it kind of rides the spectrum. So let's talk about two years ago when we went to see Boys to Men in concert. So this was <laughs> uh, part of our <laughs> concert pact where you and me and Eric each got to choose a concert. And I'm going to remind everybody that I, every time we talk about music that I got screwed in this pact. Well, after COVID, we're picking it back up, and it's your choice. I think last time I checked in with you, you wanted to go see like Pantera or something. No, we're going to go see the Deftones. The Deftones, okay. You picked first, and we saw Steely Dan, and then Eric wanted to go see this radio concert with like Joe to see and Color Me Bad and like 800 other dudes. They had Belle Biv DeVoe. And like Boys to Men was clearly going to be the headliner. They didn't. Pl- they didn't start playing till like twelve thirty. That's what I appreciated about the Steely Dan concert because even though the, even though they had the D- Doobie Brothers headlining, Steely <laughs> Dan still started at like eight o'clock. And you were home at a reasonable hour. <laughs> <laughs> Back to sandwiches, and I have one last point in the we're talking about Pennsylvania. I've never been to Pit, uh, Pittsburgh, but I've always wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And so I did a little research to see if Pittsburgh had like a signature sandwich. And apparently they do. It's called Vermonti Brothers. Okay. And I guess, I don't know if you've heard of this, but I guess they started back in the day and they served about a lot of truckers. So they mm. would just put the fries in the sandwich so that you could eat your side and your sandwich at the same time. See, um, I, I would endorse that. I think that's good. You know, it's sort of the same thing as the California burrito mm-hmm. where they mm-hmm. load your burrito up with fries. Yeah. Um, and I know Bronwyn, she definitely embraces the, it's the fry or chip sandwich where she'll just take some chips or fries and put them in some bread, fold it over like a sandwich and eat it. Wait, with no, no other like filling besides that, just yep. bread and fries. Just, yep. Dude, that's, that's incredible. Sometimes she'll take the, the bun off her McDonald's burger and like stuff it with fries and then eat it separately from the, the rest of the burger. Wow. I mean, look, fries are delicious no matter what. So really you can't go wrong. I mean, it's it's just they're they're the in this case the bread is just a medium to get the potatoes into your mouth. Exactly, and this is a good segue into talking about In and Out because back in the day we must have gone to In and Out 
at least 8,000 times. I think that's probably accurate. And we always got a three by three light spread only and a large Coke and a fry. Like, let's do the math. Let's say we went 300 days out of every year for five years and we went twice a day. That's 3,000. Okay. So that would be 3,000 trips to In and Out. Mm-hmm. If at every one of those 8,000 stops at In and Out, we got a three by three, which is 860 calories, <laughs> we each would have eaten that. In just the burgers, <laughs> six, 6,880,000 calories worth of In-N-Out burger. <laughs> I hope that 8,000 is no overestimation. <laughs> oh, man. Six million calories. Hey, man, you got to get the calories somewhere, right? Also, when we were that age, we had high metabolism. So, Yeah. I like honestly can't tell you the last time I was at In-N-Out. We still go occasionally. I don't get three by threes anymore, though. Yes, I get like a double double with all the veggies. <laughs> it's again, it's like it's like the whiz no whiz, right? So you're doing the no whiz version. Yeah, like this can be healthy if I put some lettuce <laughs> on it. So my jam at In and Out back in the day was the three by three grilled onions, no lettuce with light spread. Yeah, that's the thing. They put too much spread on. You got to ask him to lay off a little bit. Mm-hmm. And animal yeah. style is good once in a while, but it's a specific taste. Yeah. Now. I know that, like, at least in Northern California, Five Guys is, like, relatively recent to mm-hmm. the area. And yeah. people, when Five Guys first started showing up here, it was like, oh, man, Five Guys is it. It's better than In-N-Out. And then Shake Shack started to show up here, and people are like, nope, it's Shake Shack. They're the best. No way. I've had both. In-N-Out's better. It's the classic. Yeah. You can't... And not only that, it's always fresh, right? There's no freezers there. Mm-hmm. You get, you're going to get the same burger experience. It doesn't matter if you're going to an In-N-Out at Kettleman City or an In-N-Out in San Francisco. It's going to taste the same and, you know, it's, it's incredibly consistent. And I know their, their fries get a lot of shit, but I really like their fries too. Was it Omar Little who said, if you're going to come for the king, you best not miss? <laughs> yeah, I think he was right. quoted by, I think that was actually quoted by Obama once. Really? Yeah. So I, I have a story. This doesn't have anything to do with sandwiches, so I apologize. I watched the movie Titanic with Abigail recently and, you know, for all the, the the shit Titanic gets, if you take out the Celine Dion song, it's it's a pretty good movie. I don't think it's worth all the Oscars at one, but it's a pretty good movie. And the I forgot that the boat literally sinks for the last hour and a half. It like sinks <laughs> in real time. <laughs> it hits the iceberg like at the halfway point of the movie, and Abigail's like, "Whoa, what? It's already sinking." <laughs> <laughs> and um, like she was getting emotional at parts. Um, and I was too, you know, like there's the, the kids getting tucked into bed by the mom who knows that everyone's going to die and the band is playing as people die. And, uh, the old couple who holds hands in bed as the water rises in the room. And, uh, she's a big Cthulhu fan. So I was like, well, think about it this way, you know, in a few minutes, Cthulhu's going to rise up and eat everybody here. And it won't matter if you escaped or not. I was like, does that make you feel better? With like a big grin on my face. She's like, no, it's going to eat the kids too. <laughs> like, yes, Cthulhu is going to eat children. That's that's the whole point of Cthulhu. Sorry, I didn't mean to go off on a Titanic slash Cthulhu rant. No, I like that. I'm curious what, like, why why Cthulhu? Like, why does that character resonate with her? Uh, you know, I, I've always liked, like, Lovecraft so- stories. And so I think she kind of saw me and then decided to look into it. But she's really into lore, and Cthulhu is all about lore. Mm-hmm. There's all this, like, backstory and things like that that you can kind of 
immerse yourself into. Did you have her watch Lovecraft Country with you? No. Yeah, that I was going to say that show was way more intense than I, because we both read the book. I think you recommended the book to me several years ago. And I was like, the book was intense, but not in the way that the show was. And I don't think that I was prepared for that. Well, I mean, Lovecraft Country and Watchmen, I think the new Watchmen series, I think are an mm -hmm. interesting pairing because they both used science fiction to analyze race relations in the country in a really interesting yeah. way. And they actually both used as a centerpiece, the Oklahoma City riots. The or, Tulsa. Tul sorry, Tulsa. excuse me. Tulsa riots of 1920-something, which before before I had I had not heard of those, which is kind of inexcusable being that I was a political science major and have two graduate degrees in social science. I mean, Watchmen was amazing. Mm -hmm. Going into that, not knowing that, that it was going to be sort of like a reframing of that show around contemporary topics, I thought it mm -hmm. was just sort of a redo of the movie. Yeah. And I was like not excited about it. And then it was like, whoa, this is going to yeah, be awesome. I felt the same way. I'm like, why the hell would they do this? You yeah. know, I enjoyed the comic book. The movie was okay. And I was like, you know, why Why are they even doing this? And then I started watching it and I was just blown away. It so. got better and better and better. It was like yeah. one of those shows where the first one you're like, okay, okay, this is cool. This is cool. And then by like episode three, it was like, holy shit. This is <laughs> and they just went there. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah. every every time you thought, oh, no, they're not going to go there. They're yeah. not going to bring in Dr. Manhattan. It's like, yeah. oh, no, <laughs> he's a main character. All right. Well, let's get back to sandwiches. I, we we <laughs> we went from sandwiches to um, Lovecraft Country to Watchmen. And now we're going to get back to the history of the sandwich, which is I don't know. I'm assuming you put this topic in here because you have some some deep knowledge to drop. Well, the the uh, traditional story about how the sandwich was invented was that the Earl of Sandwich was an, an inveterate gambler, mm -hmm. and uh, he didn't want to stop gambling long enough to eat, so he just told his servants to slap two slices of bread on a, on a steak and bring it to him so he could keep eating. So could while he and I think the gambler part sort of came under, was, was suspect, because apparently he wasn't that much of a gambler. He was a workaholic. Mm -hmm. So the more likely story is that he was working, doing whatever mm -hmm. English lords do, <laughs> and was too busy and told his servants to slap together a sandwich for him. But th this seems to be a common thread through the creation of, of a lot of foods, which is that innovation is necessary when time is of the essence, right? So like mm -hmm. getting back to Permonti Brothers, like the idea of putting the side in the sandwich, mm -hmm. or like, you know, thinking about things you can eat on the go like breakfast sandwiches or um, pastries, you know, just making things more portable. And I think that's one of the amazing things about the sandwich is that it's, it's one of those things, like no matter where you get a sandwich from, you can pretty much eat it in the car. You can eat it wherever. And that's yeah. beautiful. The other day we were, we were going for a drive and like we stopped at Whole Foods and, and Marlo wanted soup. And I was like, where are we going to eat the soup at? Like, she's not going to eat, <laughs> we're not going to give a five-year-old soup in the car. Like, <laughs> So, so apparently there were predecessors to the sandwich, which didn't actually have a through line to the modern sandwich. So they're not considered like the origin of the sandwich. The ancient Romans ate something called an offula uh, in taverns, which was sandwich-like. And it was kind of like, uh, almost like tap tapas. Like it was, it wasn't really a full meaty sandwich. It was like an mm -hmm. appetizer. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and then there was the medieval trencher, which was two large pieces of bread that they just threw some food inside, and it could have been anything. And then there was the Jewish uh, Hillel sandwich, which was uh, bitter herbs sandwiched together between pieces of matzo bread. But again, that doesn't really have a through line to the modern sandwich, but it was yeah. something that sort of encapsulated the sandwich. But I think it does. It touches on something about the sandwich, which is that there's a version of the sandwich in every culture, in every cuisine. Like the sandwich is, is universal and international, and it can be created with any ingredients. And all, all it really needs is it needs two pieces of bread-like substance on the outside and whatever in the middle it's all fair game, right? And it's that innovation which is beautiful about it. Like it, it is always reinventing itself, and every every cuisine is always kind of pushing its version of the sandwich. Like I think it is the perfect food because it's so flexible. Well, in Married with Children, Al Bundy made a tang witch, mm -hmm. which was putting tang <laughs> on a, like the the powdered tang on a piece uh, of bread, and then putting another piece of bread on top of that and eating it. It sounds. <laughs> horrible to me but i read an article by someone who said that they actually tried it it was pretty good apparently the tang kind of liquefies as it hits your mouth interesting uh, and then i can see it being really good with like certain types of bread like if you did because in some ways it would it would serve the same purpose as like jam you know it would have like a sweet hit maybe like pair it with something else like what if you did like a little bit of tang with like a with like a soft cheese or something like that on bread and toasted it Mm -hmm. Probably pretty good. Well, one of the things that Brown grew up with in Australia is something called fairy bread, mm -hmm. which is essentially a slice of white bread. You put butter on it, and then you put sprinkles. They call them hundreds and thousands, but just candy sprinkles on the bread, and then that was like a dessert. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that I've seen that on on Peppa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Back before... COVID, but when I used to go into San Francisco a lot, you know, Toast had a moment there. There were like a couple of like Toast shops that opened. Every food has a moment where all of a sudden it's like there's 1,500 of, of whatever food Well, some, it is. someone has actually created the toast, toast sandwich where you make a couple pieces of toast and slap them between untoasted bread. Because toast is so good. <laughs> like I, I have in the notes here, toasted bread fucking rocks because it's so good. Like it really is. You're like, oh, toast. But then... Like a good piece of bread with butter alone is like the like awesome, right? And then you put anything else on top, like yeah. So I get it. Like, um, what'd you call it? Fair a fairy witch? No, <laughs> fairy bread. <laughs> fairy bread. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> a fairy witch sounds awesome too, but yes, it does. Yeah, I mean, look, it's toasted bread. Really, is the magical part of this. If you got good bread, you're like ninety eight percent of the way there. Also, sauces. Yes, like, I was just going to bring that up. You mentioned sauces are the key. What are your yeah. favorite sauces on a sandwich? So I, I will typically, if I'm, if I'm just, if I have like the standard stuff, like I'll either do, you know, D Dijon and mayonnaise, mm -hmm. that's good enough, right? But if you got some like sriracha mayonnaise, that's great. If you can make an aioli, that's even better, right? I think the sauces depend on what the filling is to me because it, it enhances. It's like... Which it's like with salt, right? Salt enhances the flavor of whatever it is you're eating, right? But I think the sauces just elevate. Yeah, I really like, I mean, depending on the sandwich. Obviously, if it's ham or turkey, I like Dijon mustard and mayonnaise. Mm -hmm. If it's chicken, I like like honey mustard or ranch. Mm -hmm. Ooh, ranch. Yeah. yeah, ranch is great. Burgers, I'm all about putting ketchup on my burger. Mm -hmm. 
Sometimes I'll just have a burger with just ketchup. Like if I'm making a burger at home, I'll just just put ketchup on it. I, I'm going to skip down further in our show notes here and talk about Impossible Beef, Impossible okay. Burger. So my three notes that I made on it is that it's delicious. <laughs> it's not really good for you, but it's the future. Now, and you think if they're going to engineer a whole new way to make beef, they would have put some time and thought into making it healthier. It's not any unhealthier than beef. Yeah. I don't know. I read a lot of articles on this and, you know, people go back and forth. You might as well eat something that's better for the environment that still tastes like a burger, right? Mm, and health, yeah. health is like a secondary concern. If you're, mm. if you're, if you want to eat healthy, there's all sorts of other stuff that you can eat instead of a burger, right? Uh, not, not a burger. Yes. Yeah. Not a burger, but it, I think it is actually pretty close. And granted, I like very, 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 very rarely eat beef. I've eaten beef maybe like two or three times in two or three years. So so I've kind of forgotten the taste of like a real burger maybe, but like, I think it's pretty close. So I used to, when they first, you know, started germinating on this beef, like lab grown beef, I was grossed out, right? Cause I was thinking of like these lumps of pulsating meat being mm. raised and then <laughs> uh, cooked and killed and, you know, served, but really is it any, any worse than slaughterhouses, which are, well, I don't, yeah, I mean, that's bad. a fair point. I mean, slaughterhouses are, I mean, the, the like famous like Temple Grandin book about how it, like just thinking about the ethics of it, like how it works, like they had to hire someone to think about the ethics of it. But even then, even after that whole system is designed, it's still mm -hmm. disgusting from a like animal cruelty point of view, but from mm -hmm. a like just gross point of view. Yeah. But I don't think, I don't think Impossible Meat is lab grown. I think that, so Impossible Meat is mainly, I think it's, it's like, is, it, is it free range? It's, it, it just roll, rolls around the the farm. It's soy and veggies. It's soy and vegetables and fillers, basically. Okay, so it really is. Uh, it's got a lot. I mean, that was, that's one of the other like big criticisms of it is if you look at the ingredient list, it's got a lot of ingredients, and I know that there's a lot of like people who really think that the only like the only way to really be conscientious about eating is to eat things that are like natural and and like the shorthand for that is like less ingredients but i think that's kind of like a false equivalency like i don't think that less ingredients necessarily means that something's not ethical or good for you or good for the environment you know um well and there's lots of instances where people don't even have to put their ingredients so they're in when they make bread so, so one of the things I read about sandwiches as is sandwiches really revolutionized the way bread was made and used. Mm -hmm. And in order to make bread better for sandwiches, they started taking out a lot of the nutrition and a lot of the flavor in order to make it durable and like portable and mm -hmm. easy to make a sandwich out of because the bread was no longer the point. But as a result of that, there's all these enzymes and things that are used to make the bread and their ingredients, but you don't have to list them because mm -hmm. they are regarded as tools for the production of bread and not actual components of the bread. Mm -hmm. And so your bread is not, it's, it's a lot different than what it's represented by on like an ingredients list. Michael Pollan has, has a show on Netflix. And I don't remember what it's called. I never remember the names of things, but um, <laughs> getting old, <laughs> but he has an episode on bread and it's, it's fascinating. So, you know, he, he kind of explores that idea of like, why, why do people have gluten intolerance? And one of the things with bread is like in like mid-century, they started using these like fast, these fast acting yeasts 
mm-hmm. to like increase the speed of production. The bread doesn't, or the, um, the wheat doesn't ferment like the mm-hmm. way that it does, like in a sourdough or like, like a more like traditional loaf. And so he speculates on there that like, there's a connection between, you know, the style of bread and how it's made and intolerance. So he's a big advocate for like having like more traditional made breads that are fermented because they're easier. So, I mean, it just gets to the point of like, what is natural and what is not, what is processed and what is not. And, you know, we're all trying, I think, to like figure out how to eat as well as possible Mm -hmm. and how to be conscientious about the environment. And it's kind of like, for me, it's like, I think we all have to be a little bit flexible and like learn as we go, you know? Yeah. Well, the other day we ordered uh, old spaghetti factory to go Yeah. and oh, you know, it comes with the bread rolls Yeah. and Brahman made me a sandwich out of the bread rolls the next day out of one of the bread rolls. And uh-huh. it was amazing. And really it was just the bread roll, some Turkey and some mayo and mustard. Like it was really mm-hmm. simple. And I, I think some American cheese too, but that bread roll was just the bomb sandwich. I mean, that was, that was, the bread was the centerpiece of that sandwich. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that a sandwich without toasted bread mm-hmm. is not really a sandwich. That's a controversial <laughs> opinion. It is. Cause I, I don't think bread has to, I think toasted bread can be good on a sandwich, but I don't think it's a necessity. I'll walk back that statement. I think that there are some breads where the, the difference between the untoasted version and the toasted version is like night and day. What about like, the half-assed toasting they do at Subway? No, not like that. I'm talking about a real <laughs> toast. Or like a panini press. Like panini. Yeah. Like I almost bought like a panini press to bring to work because <laughs> I was like, I got to toast these sandwiches. So I went through this phase where I was like, I'm only going to make vegetarian sandwiches. So I bought like all this stuff. I like made hummus at home mm-hmm. and I would do like hummus and goat cheese and olives and like, uh, like a tapenade and cucumbers and they were they were ridiculous they were really huge but then you take it to work and it just be on cold ass bread it was lackluster but if you were to panini that then it, yeah. it like becomes like a 10 right that would so, be good yeah i don't know well i'm a huge advocate for cheese on sandwiches i think a big piece of cheese can be the centerpiece of a sandwich for sure game changer yeah <laughs> <laughs> So let's go into what constitutes a sandwich. So we already established that we're both liberals in in, yes. in terms of sandwiches, but so burger, I'm a, I'm a pro- progressive sandwich advocate. So, <laughs> a burger is yes, right? Yes, yeah. And a protein style burger. So for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's a burger with instead of bread, it's usually lettuce. And I'm going to go no on this. I'm going to go no. No bread. You got to have bread. You gotta have some sort of like grain or yeah, something. a grain-based wrapper. Yeah. <laughs> Open face. Man, I'm gonna go no because they're not intended to be eaten like a sandwich. Are you okay? So here's my: Are you getting both sides of the bread, or are you just yeah. getting one? I mean, usually it's like there's both sides of the bread, and then they've put like a giant hunk of steak on one of them, and like some dumplings or in gravy or something on the other one. There's no way you could force that together into a sandwich and eat what if it. You, so you think about like avocado toast, right? What if you ordered two slices of avocado toast and then you just put them together? Then I it, think before it, you put them together, they're not. But once you do, they are. Really? Interesting. So what if they exist on the same plate and you just don't put them together? Then you are not eating sandwiches. You're all eating right. Toast. All right. All right. I'm on the fence about this one. I don't know. All right. What about a chip fry sandwich? I think it's a sandwich. It involves... Yeah. It involves a uh, bread of some sort and a filler. 
<laughs> you don't, you don't have this on the list, but what if I put two pieces of pizza together? <laughs> what, if I, what if I do this New York style and I fold it over? Oh man. <laughs> I'm going to say no, just because despite the fact it resembles a sandwich, it is still pizza. Side note, what, <laughs> thinking back to the famous um, Daily Show episode with Jon Stewart when, when they have the video of Donald Trump eating pizza with a fork and knife, is, <laughs> is that or is that not an abomination? <laughs> <laughs> you know, depending on the pizza, you have, to, uh, you have to eat it with a fork and a knife. And when I, if, if you let the pizza cool down, it's a lot easier to eat it with your hands. But like, you just brought home a delicious round table pie and you want to eat it now, but it's still too hot to eat. You're, I'm going to pull up the knife and fork and, and dig in. A hot dog. Yes. Okay. I agree. A calzone. No. Because it's basically a hot pocket, right? Yeah. What about a wrap? I think we're getting here. This is where we're getting into the fuzzy area between sandwich and non-sandwich. I'm going to say it's still a sandwich because typically it's filled with sandwich-like stuff. Um, but it's really on the edge. How about you? Okay, so I think there's like probably two different ways to interpret this. One is like if you have like a really thick pita and, mm -hmm. and you all it's almost folded over almost like a taco, I would classify that as a sandwich because in essence, it's a sandwich, even if it's not two distinct pieces of, of uh, bread. But if it's more like a, a tortilla wrap, then I think it's it, it's more spiritually like a burrito. And in that sense, mm -hmm. I would say no. So I think that answers the next question, burrito. So I actually have uh, legal evidence for this, <laughs> that a burrito is not a sandwich. So there was a case a you were involved in. Did you sue someone over a burrito? I did not, oh, but man. somebody did. So there was a, a Panera in Massachusetts, and they had an exclusivity deal with the, the mall that they were in, saying that they could be the only sandwich restaurant. And uh, a Qdoba burrito company came in. <laughs> And Panera sued them all, and it went all the way up to some level of Supreme Court, not the Supreme Court. Um, and the judge issued an opinion, an eight-page opinion on about, about where he decided that burritos are not sandwiches. And he used the Merriam-Webster de dictionary definition. Uh, and ultimately, a he determined that a sandwich has to have European roots uh, and have oh, oh, two wait, pieces wait, 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 of wait, wait. leavened bread. And that the burritos are specific bullshit. to Mexico. That's some racist bullshit right there. <laughs> so a burrito is legally not a sandwich. All right, dude. A taco. No. A quesadilla. No. <laughs> An Oreo. No. <laughs> so I did a survey of fast food chicken sandwiches. Yeah. And first of all, say McDonald's barely counts, right? McDonald's chicken sandwiches are not good in any mm -hmm. way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. The Burger King chicken sandwiches, they're pretty good. Um, they're still barely chicken, but their mayonnaise is on point there. So I give them a pass. My next, uh, the next one I tried was the Chick-fil-A, which is also good. But Popeye's came correct. Really? Year. Really? And they revamped their chicken sandwich, and it's awesome. Really? Uh, Tell me about I it. Mean, like, what is the, what's the key to it? Just the, the chicken. It's this huge piece of chicken. And it's really juicy and they have the right amount. There's like one pickle and the right amount of mayonnaise and it's just delicious. And the bun. Tell me about the bun. 
the the bun was your regular sesame sesame seed bun. It was okay. an excellent transportation mechanism for the chicken. So you're saying that the key to the Popeyes is balance. Like yeah. it had all the right elements at the right amount. Yeah, I mean the Chick Fil A was good, but it's the chicken. There's not nearly as much chicken, and there's a difference in the pickle and the Chick Fil A. It sort of seems out of place, whereas it seemed really integrated with the Popeye sandwich. So this is the sandwich. I remember when Popeyes did this. I, I just the internet was kind of a buzz when this happened. Mm -hmm. Like people were going and they were sold out. This is the one you're talking about, though. Right? This is the one I'm talking about. And they really de-emphasize it on their menu. Like they're afraid people are going to order it. <laughs> it's not on the actual menu. It's on like a piece of paper stuck to the side. Like if you must, there's our chicken awesome. sandwich. And then, you know, KFC is probably somewhere in the middle. Um, it's kind of sad that KFC, I think, has like fallen out of grace. Like it, like KFC should be the pinnacle of chicken. And I think a lot of these brands are trying to get back to like, the heart of what they are and Popeye's probably is like we have it within us to make an amazing sandwich and they they did it right Burger King is doing a rebrand I know they're trying they got the impossible burger there they're trying to like be more natural what K what is KFC doing though hiring Mario Lopez to star as the colonel in a romantic yeah. comedy <laughs> <laughs> it's all everything went downhill when they started to do the combo KFC pizza hut so this dovetails nicely into one of the next topics which is sandwich abominations yeah. <laughs> and we talked in another episode about the flaming hot Cheeto sushi hot dog. <laughs> so good. Uh, and the Tang Witch. And the Tang oh. Witch. Do you remember the double down at KFC? No, I don't. Refresh my memory on this one. So the double down is where they replaced <laughs> the bread on the chicken sandwich with, with chicken. another chicken sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there was no bread at all, right? So each of the buns is a piece of chicken. And then on the inside, there's like a tomato and cheese. What? I had I thought you were going to say was, that it was. It was a piece of chicken surrounded by two other pieces. <laughs> no bun, just three pieces of chicken. Well, I mean, it's uh, it's two pieces of chicken, but there really is no bun. I mean, the inside <laughs> of the sandwich is the cheese and the, the sauce and the um, tomato, but the buns were the chicken. I don't know why that's so funny to me. It's like the perfect fast food gimmick. It's like, let's just take, rather than making one thing that's really good, let's take our shitty thing and just make it like worse. <laughs> they, they were doubling down as it were. True. So uh, Arby's, Arby's does. You know, I like Arby's in concept and I like the idea of their roast beef sandwich with cheese. Mm -hmm. Do they have other have... sandwiches? Oh yeah, they do. They have, they have burgers and chicken sandwiches and stuff. But I haven't seen an Arby's in like a decade that hasn't looked sketchy as hell. Yeah, I know. There's no way I'm eating, eating there. Um, now, if they were to revamp, I would forgive everything and go back because I think that the, the, I think the basic concepts behind their sandwiches are really good. Was it Jon Stewart who like ragged on them constantly? <laughs> yes. Or was it Colbert? I think it was Stewart, right? It was Stewart, yeah. All right, the McRib, the infamous McRib. So have you seen a McRib lately? No. So they basically take uh, artificial rib meat and they will shape it. It's frozen into the shape of like a rack of ribs. <laughs> like there's bones still in it, even though there's not. And then they, they slather it in barbecue sauce and slap it in some bread. And people eat it and they're like, it's like I'm eating ribs. No, it's not. Why does it have to look like a rib? Food. Yeah, I don't know. You know you're not actually eating ribs like because it's a sandwich. That would be stupid. And like, course, does that actually improve its taste or the experience? I would no. think it would detract from the experience. Yeah, I mean, I think it draws draws attention to the fact that the piece of meat that you're eating was 
frozen into that shape at some distant point in the past. The, the McRib though was fascinating because it was one of those things I feel like the internet brought back, kind of like Arrested mm-hmm. Development. Like yeah. people, people like just talked about the McRib constantly, and McDonald's had to bring it back. Uh, and of course, The Simpsons did the parody of the Rib Witch, where Homer ate a bunch of rib riches and immediately had a heart attack. (laughs) (laughs) I have to be honest, the last couple of weeks, I've been slacking on my end of adding to the playlist and Dave has done a great job. I was really pleased to see, to see you add so much to this playlist. It's amazing. So we've got stuck in the middle with you by Steelers wheel made famous in uh, reservoir dogs. And of course I get the play on words here. Can, Can I, can I, can I make a comment about stuck in the middle with you? Yeah, please. So, the, the reason I'm into Steely Dan is because I heard that song one day and I was, I asked my dad, I'm like, who sings this? He's like, oh, it's Steely Dan. So I went out and I systematically bought every Steely Dan CD <laughs> waiting for that song to be on it. And it wasn't, but I liked all the CDs. <laughs> so Steeler's Wheel led to me to me to discover one of my favorite bands. So we got some Bowie on here for sure. We got some Bob Dylan. I added Beck Peaches and Cream because... Although you would never add peaches and cream to a sandwich, it's food related, so whatever. And also, that's an awesome song. Um, mayonnaise by the Smashing Pumpkins because mayonnaise <laughs> is a critical component of sandwiches. Sugar Water by Chibomato because they they basically write songs only about food. And then you got King of Carrot Flowers by uh, Neutral Milk Hotel, of course. I threw in some B fifty twos. We've got some Steely Dan on this list. It's pretty good. Let's just so- get it at that. The reason I put TVC15 by David Bowie on the list yeah. is because nobody knows what that song is about. And so I figured, hey, maybe it's about sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> sure, it could be. And also, I like I the song. So Also, uh, Station to Station, uh, it's its 45th anniversary this week. Which, I love Station to Station. Like, Great. you sit down and you put on the actual song, Station to Station, mm-hmm. and it just, uh, you know, it's it's like 10 minutes long. But... And it doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's amazing. I can't believe we went this whole episode. We didn't even talk about breakfast sandwiches. Yeah, they're 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 pretty awesome. I want to do a short where I just cook you a breakfast sandwich because I've been I've been working, and then I have it. to pretend to eat it. <laughs> Are we gonna wait well, and do this one? Well, we're in obviously, person? we'll do it in person. I mean, okay. like post COVID, mail me a breakfast sandwich. <laughs> Like, man, Biden better figure this shit out because there's a breakfast sandwich <laughs> off the line here. <laughs> and on that note, Dave, what are we going to talk about next week? I think we should talk about lost civilizations. Oh, I like it. It's lost. it's a pr- apropos, right? As our civilization teeters on collapse, we'll talk about past lost civilizations. Expert sandwich makers. Maybe that was the problem. They perfected the sandwich, and then that just led to an immediate collapse. Atlantis <laughs> sunk because. <laughs> Because uh, they made the perfect sandwich and everybody just kind of gave up. They made like else. a really amazing lobster roll. <laughs> I forgot to even talk. Like we we didn't even hit lobster rolls, Cubanos, BLTs, meatball subs, po'boys. There were so many sandwiches. I, I want an in memoriam segment for all the sandwiches that we didn't talk about this episode. In memoriam. Yeah, we should do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like an in memoriam video. <laughs> Sorry, in lobster memoriam, roll. 2021, and it just has like sandwiches popping. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right, Tickle Me Elmo. This was a really fun conversation. Okay, Tony Kiyomasa. Until next week, this has been Planet of the Sandwich Cats. Whoop.